Welcome to the Von Hessler Doctrine Christmas Special 2016. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler, your fine Christmas host. I have I am surrounded by not only doctrinaires, but special guests, and we are here to celebrate Christmas with you and through you, and you can celebrate through us. If you're out driving around on Christmas Eve, boy, I hope something really bad didn't happen. But even if it did, we're here to help you celebrate. Uh, first, the doctrinaires. Tim Andrews is here with us. Hi, everybody. Autumn Fisher is here with us. Hello. Merry Christmas. From Studio B1, Greg Russ is with us. Yep. The handsomest producer in all of producery, Jared Yamamoto, is with us. Merry Christmas. This is the, this is half the show. I just introduced the people. Special guest, Chris Chandler. Merry on, Christmas, yes. everybody. Thanks on, for having me, Eric Von uh, You are welcome on piano there. Uh, from Driving and Crying, the head muckety-muck of that band, that would be Kevin Kinney hey. is with us. Kevin's always with us on our, on our holiday shows. I love, yeah, I love the holidays with you're you, Eric. A, you're a holiday doctrinaire. Thank you. I hope you feel good about that. I really do. It's on my resume. Scott McGee is from <laughs> Turner Classic <laughs> Movies, <laughs> and he joins us. Thanks and, for having uh, me, Eric. Everybody loves Turner Classic Movies, and I'm glad you're here. And later on, we are going to talk Christmas movies, the best Christmas movies of all time. We are going to have a very special radio uh, event uh, called It's a Wonderful Life. Tim Andrews does the entire It's a Wonderful Life. He does every voice, and it's the whole movie in less than 10 minutes. Sentimental hogwash. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, but first, I wanted to start off with... Uh, what everyone thinks about on Christmas, Christmas memories, uh, Christmas traditions. And so I'll start off my own, a, a tradition that was in my family that, you know, for some reason I didn't pass along to my children, and I should have because it was one that I really, really enjoyed. We would uh, we'd go out and we'd pick out a Christmas tree, oh, about four or five days before Christmas. We'd bring it into the house and put it on a stand but then it would just stay that way. There would be nothing on the Christmas tree for three or four days. And after my, thank you, a little, 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 Christmas, uh, little Christmas music. After my uh, brother and I, my little brother and I, would go to sleep, then Santa Claus would come and decorate the tree. So when we woke up the next day, it wasn't something we were used to seeing for four or five days. It was the illuminated tree. It was, they left it on all night long. The, which was in the 60s and early 70s was a dangerous thing to do. I didn't, I didn't realize, but they, they left it on all night long. So when my little brother and I woke up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, come running down the, the stairs, there it was. We see the tree all illuminated uh, for the first time. And so that's a tradition in my family that, uh, that I enjoy passing along. I think about my first uh, real Christmas that I remember was 1969 and... Uh, I was five years old, and I came down and saw that tree all illuminated. And I thought, it, to me, it looked like it was fifty feet tall. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. That was the year I fell in love with Christmas when I was five years old. I think a little bit. You know, they say about heroin addicts that the first time they take heroin, the rest of their lives they're just trying to get back to that high. <laughs> And that's how I feel about that Christmas in 1969. Because if I'm honest, nothing has ever really <laughs> matched it. What a unique comparison! But it was so it was so great. It was so wonderful. 
And now the funny thing is I look at pictures of that tree now. And it was a pretty crappy tree. <laughs> it's amazing what a five-year-old mind could do to a tree because uh, it, w- it was quite amazing. So I want to go around a little bit here. Autumn Fisher, uh, a tradition, yeah. a moment, a Christmas memory? I don't know if I can think of anything that's in my own like childhood at this moment. But lately, with my daughter being two and a half, um, it's been really nice to see her be so excited that and she knows Santa's coming and she knows presents or he's bringing presents and um, we've been doing a lot of like arts and crafts you know like yeah. construction paper and getting on the floor and cutting things I don't know it's just been and baking I don't know it's just been a really fun time this time so do you still do out my childhood memories you know yeah and yeah get rid of those childhood memories creating your own Boring. new memories in 2016. Um, are egg cartons still a big part of the Christmas construction projects? Because it seems to me, when I was a kid, the egg carton was ubiquitous in the things that we did and made. No, we're using more like construction paper, making snowflakes. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I did that popcorn on string with the cranberries in between. Now, your kid is two and a half years old. She really knows that it's Christmas. She's already aware of this. She keeps saying, like, Santa, come in. Uh. Oh, very good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he bring me presents. Like, yeah, he's bringing you presents. There's more to Christmas than presents, but right now, let's just talk. It's presents. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you're a kid, yeah, all that is, yeah, there's more to Christmas than presents. Yeah. And that's fine. But in reality, when you're a kid, Christmas is about presents. And let's be honest about that. There's nothing wrong with it, as long as you don't get them too many. Kevin Kitty from Driving and Crying. I know you come from a Midwest family up there in uh, Milwaukee. You I grew do. up in Milwaukee. Snow, cartoon snow. Yep. The ideal Christmas. kind of Christmas. What, what memories or traditions? I think the, my first, uh, I think the, when we were sitting thinking about it, I think the first Christmas I remember was uh, of. Uh, when I found out that my, my, my Santa was storing some of his toys in our basement, and I figured this out in <laughs> in August, and I found I found my loop de loop Hot Wheel track underneath a blanket. My mother was didn't hide it very well, and then like I had to pretend from August, September, October, November. I couldn't wait for Christmas because it was killing me inside. <laughs> I couldn't say I found the Hot Wheel track, ma, because. You know, I think she still thought I, I you know, I, you, you, know, were, you were a believer. She didn't think that I thought that she was helping Santa out by storing some of the stuff. I think Santa came by maybe in August and dropped a few things off. There are you a know, lot of kids to you know get what to I mean? and he would have a strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a, he has a method to his madness. So uh, that's what I remember. It's hard to make the delivery all in one secret, night. Trying to hold it in my secret. But the Hot Wheel truck was, was one of my biggest and most awesome. I had the... Uh, had the um, the gas station with the rotating thing where the car would fly oh, through, yeah, yeah, and then like you know you could adjust it and could put your sister's eye out or you know back in the back when toys were dangerous, you oh, get yeah. your sister's hair stuck in it or, or the, takes off a fingernail. At some point, you actually take the tracks themselves and just start getting in sword fights <laughs> yeah, with them, and absolutely smacking each other over the face with them, absolutely. Yes. So that's my Christmas. Uh, Memory, good, good dangerous times. So there had good, to be dangerous toys. I miss dangerous toys. There had to be a time like between. Did you say August was when you Remember found the these clacker balls that were made out of glass? Oh yeah, I got yeah. one Wonder- more than a brew, more than yeah. one brew is in my head from that. Beautiful gift, <laughs> wonderful gift. So you found this stuff in August. Was so there had to be all these times like in September. Where you're thinking, you know, it would be really fun. Yeah, to play with those Hot Wheels yeah, right absolutely. now. Absolutely, and you just couldn't 
I can't. Was it a letdown when they finally came, or was it like, ah, oh, yes, now I've yeah, got it. it? It was awesome once I could open the box, so that was nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so year. now every year I buy something on on Amazon right around August, and I don't open it till Christmas. I just stare at it. <laughs> You're able to actually recreate your I'm greatest Christmas. I'm recreating my Christmas every year. I found my uh, I found toys once in the closet. I was older. I was like 11 yeah. years old, and I thought that that was the coolest thing in the world. It was only about a week before Christmas. Right. And I thought, oh wow, man, now I know. And for some reason, I thought it was a great thing. And then Christmas morning was horrible. Oh. I knew everything that I was going to get, and really? so it was really kind of a letdown. Chris Chandler, memories, uh, uh, traditions. You know the story I find myself telling most often. Never mind the tree and the Santa and all of that. When somebody just your voice, I, I expect you to hit me with a news update no, right now. No, Go ahead. no, <laughs> told me no news tonight. You yes, told me no. yes. So I'm from a little tiny town in Tennessee, far northwest. It's my some cows and my family is all it is, right? Mm -hmm. No internet, no frame of reference for anything. The only liquor I ever saw until I was probably 20 was on Christmas and Easter. My grandma would pull out of the cabinet a tiny little flask of whiskey that they kept there only for Christmas. The holiday whiskey. And they would pour two drops into each person's eggnog and they would have it and they would all giggle like they were being so naughty and then they would put it back. <laughs> In the cabinet <laughs> until six months, and until I was eighteen, nineteen, I thought that was that was drinking. That was <laughs> I did. And so it's very specially quaint well, now. But and yet now, when I get too city slickery or too sophisticated, mm -hmm. I look back and say that's that's where I have come from. Yeah, you know, sipping sipping Bordeaux at the wine tasting. Like, no, 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 no. no. I, that was drinking. So to you, to have three drops. On Christmas Eve. That's all it takes is now. excessive <laughs> drinking. That's all it takes now. Buddy. He's really gone out of his mind. How much time? Because I want to get to other people. Do I have time? Very quickly now. Tim Andrews, who is from the part of the world that I am almost kind of down in the southern tier in uh, uh, sort of northern Pennsylvania and southern New York state, Elmira area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how are your Christmas? What, give me a memory or a tradition. I think the greatest moment I have from my childhood Christmases was the Christmas of 1977 when I came downstairs, opened all my presents, and there was a wooden desk in the corner, which I, I assume that's probably mine. And my mother said, well, go open the drawer. And this was after everything was open, and I pull open the drawer, and it's full of Star Wars figures. Oh. So the original Star Wars figures from that year, and then uh, she brought down more presents. I had a TIE fighter and an X-Wing fighter. So uh, that was pretty, uh, pretty exciting to me. And my grandfather, who was a photographer, snapped a picture of me as I was excited, and it's on my Facebook page. That is uh, it's awesome when your parents say, oh, I think there's something over there. You might have forgotten something. Yeah. Very quickly, Scott McKee. Turner Classic Movies. When I was uh, 10 years old, my brothers and I got up, opened up all our presents before our parents awoke. So we were murdered. <laughs> I'm the ghost of Christmas past that you're speaking to right now. <laughs> you guys successfully ruined Christmas that year. <laughs> you really let your parents down. Well, that's what children are for. That's something we learn as parents. Children exist to let their parents down. So... I think you taught them a good listen, lesson, and it's uh, actually quite a Christmas miracle. So speaking of Christmas miracles, we will return right after this with more of the Von Hessler Doctrine Christmas Special 2016. Welcome back to the Von Hessler Doctrine 
Christmas special 2016. I'm Eric Von Hessler. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. I'm surrounded by doctrinaires and special guests, and one of them is the lead muckety-muck for a rock and roll band called Driving and Crying, hey. Kevin Kinney, and you have a special Christmas song the for us now. The in the house. Yeah. Yes, I wrote this uh, back when I was a conscientious uh, young folk singer, and I would try to write a Christmas song. So I was also into UFOs at the time. So I wrote this about a uh, um, a, a homeless man uh, who gets rescued by a UFO. What's it called? His name's Thomas Tinsel. It's called Thomas Tinsel's Holiday. That's a question. Um, you, know, you know, a really good song you're not supposed to describe, but so let me describe it. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Kitty. So this is a homeless man, Thomas Tinsel. Together around the speak of the day. They call Tom Tinsel's holiday. As garland hangs from a tomacan tree, whole great spirit visit thee. Twenty-five degrees and twenty-five men, they gather around the Christmas tin. Whether you're down and out in blue. Oh, great holiness for holy shoes And a coat to keep away the north Approaching breezes coming forth We gather around the speak of the day Pa-ra-pa-pum-pum We call Tom Tinsel's holiday Pa-ra-pa-pum-pum You see at 5 to 12 on Christmas Eve Seven years had passed A falling star hovered over him On the way to midnight mass And as Thomas drank a holy toast A fine red wine to the Holy Ghost That falling star that hovered over him That's when Thomas disappeared Each year the star takes one of them Pa-ra-pa-pum-pum Next year it may be you, my friend. Pur up a pump pump. Pur up a pump pump. We gather around to speak of the day. We call Tom Tinsel's holiday. Pur up a pump pump. Awesome Christmas song. Kevin Kinney. Homeless UFO Christmas song. Google it. I think it's the only one. <laughs> I think it's the only one out there. Uh, give me a little music. Also, uh, Driving and Crying, Center Stage, December 30th, the night before, the night before. New Year's Eve, Eve. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster and oh, whatnot. Yeah. All those places. We'll return. And we're going to talk about my favorite Christmas specials, Rudolph, etc. when we return. To the Von Hessler Doctrine Christmas Special 2016. We certainly hope that you and yours are enjoying a very special and very wonderful holiday. Uh, where I'm here with all the doctrinaires, plus some special doctrinaires. Chris Chandler's with us, Kevin Kinney's with us, Scott McGee from Turner Classic Movies, and all the regular doctrinaires. Autumn is here, and Greg is here, and Jared Yamamoto is here. 
And before we get to English Nick, who, by the way, couldn't be here because he's actually on his way to England for his Christmas, but he will check in from the airport, and he also uh, recorded a great version of Run Run Rudolph. You know, we have a lot of, a lot of the people who are doctrinaires can actually sing, and we'll be highlighting that in tonight's show. Later on, Autumn Fisher with a very lovely version of uh, have a very, what's it called? A Merry Little Christmas, right? The, the Judy Garland one, right? Yeah, sure. Have yourself a Merry <laughs> Little Christmas. That's what it's called. Uh, so we'll get to that very soon. But before then, with all of my experts, my Christmas experts around me, I wanted to discuss something of great import, which is what are the best Christmas specials uh, that come on yearly? And I'm talking about... Uh, we can talk about Bob Hope and Bing Crosby if you want to, huh, Bing? And you did. A oh, we can talk about Bob Hope all day long. I got lots of anecdotes. <laughs> I don't know if they're the kind of stories we can tell here. Probably not on a family show. I get a little blue in those stories. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm talking about the Rudolphs and the Frosties, and so I'll I'll start with my favorite, which is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, without a doubt, I think it's the best of, out of all the classics, and. Even though, I will say this, it always struck me, even when I was a kid, that Santa Claus is really mean in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I mean, if you really break it down, he is the one who shows up, and you figure, like when I was a kid, I wouldn't think that if uh, you were somebody who was born with a nose that lights up, maybe you're a little different. I would think that Santa would be very accepting, but when he first meets Rudolph... And the nose starts to glow. Santa is like, no, that's an that's a freak, an aberration. <laughs> that's a that's an outcast. Get this freak away. You'll never be on my. And he's really, really quite mean. But even though he's quite mean, I have to say that that was my favorite. And you know the thing about those shows back then, before this uh, new technical age, Jerry Yamamoto. There were no, uh, not even VHS tapes back then, let alone the digital world we live in now. If you missed Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that was it. For a year, you missed it. You didn't see it. It was one of the most soul-crushing things that could happen to you is that your favorite special would come on and something would happen and you would miss it. And so I think kids today have no idea because now they just watch them over and over and over again as children do. But uh, I did miss it one year. My, my, my soul was crushed. Uh, favorites outside of Rudolph, I like Frosty. I'll give you my list here. Frosty, the new Frosty is horrible about global warming. Don't watch that. It always comes on after Frosty, and it's put together by sociologists who decided that he couldn't have a corn cob pipe Eric, because remember, smoking, no politics. Is, smoking is bad, and so so we shouldn't have a corn cob pipe. Uh, Happy birthday. <laughs> That's the great Frosty. Yes. Santa Claus is coming to town. I'm doing this in descending order, so Rudolph first. Uh, and I love in Santa Claus coming to town. My favorite part is not my favorite part, but I think it's a really cool part. I don't know if you guys remember, but there's like this psychedelic thing that happens where the girl before she's Mrs. Claus. Do you remember this? Yeah. She sings a song as she's looking in the fountain, and it becomes like Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Like she drops something before she actually went to the town square and started singing that song. Uh, the Peanuts Christmas is fourth. And the Grinch, I never loved as much as everybody else, but I'll put that in as fifth. Uh, anybody else? Who, uh, yeah, one. one that you don't see anymore, but it used to be on HBO every year. It was Rich Little's Christmas Carol, where he would come on. It, it, it first aired in 1979 or cabled in 1979. But what he did is he played uh, W.C. Fields as uh, Scrooge. You know, Scrooge. 
and Cratchit was Paul Lind, and then on and on and on. He did all of his famous people, you know, Johnny Carson, in that whole era of Hollywood. And so you were a huge fan of Rich Little growing up. When I was younger, yeah, definitely. That's Big why you do all the voices now. And and Fred Travellino, all the greats from the 70s. Oh, Fred Travellino. The kids today don't know no Fred Travellino. <laughs> sure don't. Let me tell you that, because the kids back then barely do it. He was like the guy, if you couldn't get Rich Little, you went and got Fred Travellino. Or John Biner. John Biner. John Biner, uh, John Biner didn't even make Match Game. <laughs> no, John Biner never made Match Game. No. You're absolutely correct. Uh, uh, Greg Russ, I hesitate to ask you. No, 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 Christmas specials. You, you mentioned the Grinch being low on your list. It's up on mine because it's themes of greed and materialism. Uh, the reasons that I am miserable in life, those are the things that cause that. But there's you know, hope that also provides hope to a person like me at the end. It's like maybe things could change and this heart could change. Also, A Year Without a Santa Claus, uh, the Heat Miser, I think, makes that one. Oh, yeah, those songs are good. Those songs are good. A Year Without a Santa Claus, quite good. Heat Miser's good. The uh, what's the other one? Frost miser or what's he? Snow, snow miser. Snow miser. Yeah, very good. Autumn Fisher, your favorites. Very quickly, I'm running out of time. Um, we loved watching Emmett Otter's Junk Band Christmas. Yes, oh, I, I don't know what that is. Haven't thought about that in years. Look at yeah, the birds it's, uh, up Jim in the Henson trees. Production. <laughs> it's really great. It's like a Gift of the Magi type of story, but it's all awesome Jim Henson puppet uh, Muppets. And that was your favorite. That was my favorite. <laughs> It's really good. I've never heard of it. I haven't heard of it. Oh, yeah, and that's... It doesn't count. Greg Russ, what are you saying there? (laughs) I'm saying you're so dismissive. I haven't heard of it. Well, look, I love Christmas. I love Christmas, but I haven't heard of it. But it's not on the Christmas radar. I was never a big fan of the Muppets outside of Sesame Street. I never thought that they should leave that neighborhood. These were more Fraggle Rock Muppets. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Fraggle Rock, Chris Chandler, I got to tell you. I think I was just a little too old then. The Muppets belong on Sesame Street. They should be ghettoized and not allowed to leave. That's the way that I see it. You have a favorite, Kevin Kitty? Very quickly. I'm a frost. I'm a frosty guy. The resurrection of Frosty at the end. You know, he dies, then he's resurrected. Frosty is awesome. He's a puddle, and then the door opens, and the cold wind comes in. You know, he dies in the greenhouse. Green. I mean, come on. No, that's fantastic. And then, yeah, Santa shows up. He whips it's up some weird, Christmas though, he dies magic. In the greenhouse back in the before yeah. they even had the greenhouse effect. Oh, really? You're so you tell me there was a global warming message even in that one? I'm telling you. It, I'm telling you that's what's happened. Now you're ruining it for me now because yeah. I hate that second one. I know. Oh, that second I, one with that, Brian that's Doyle Murray. Valid. That's even valid. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. I hate. Now the new ones now are just there's sociology behind the new stuff. The Christmas stuff. Are you telling me I'm out of time? You pretty much. Well, hold on just a second. Uh, Scott McGee, I'll very speak quickly. up for uh, the Star Wars holiday special. If you can find a bootleg yes. of it. Wow. It is weird. Nice. Happy Life Day. Happy Life Day, wow. pal. Chris Chandler is a big wow. is a big uh, Star Wars guy. Yes, yes. You can you can see this very rarely. Princess Leia sings at the end about Life Day. It's horrifying. It's B. Arthur, Art Carney, Harvey Corman. No. Uh, yeah, Harrison I feel Ford. like I remember it when it when it happened in '78 or something. And Carrie Fisher was even more horrifying at that moment than she is now. Is that possible? Yeah, it's hard to picture. Stop it! Stop you really it. you have to see it. It's really. really I have bizarre. heard about it, and I feel like I remember seeing it back then, but I don't remember much of it except thinking this is strange. B. Arthur runs a cantina and That's sings right. a song. Oh my god! <laughs> and Harvey Corman dresses in drag yes. as, a, as a as an and, as a, a a droid. Yes. Well. There's nothing better than that. English Nick cannot be here with us because he is traveling to England to celebrate Christmas with his family. But you are in the airport now, English Nick? 
I am in the international terminal, Eric. I'm looking at the Sea Auburn market, but I guess that's the version of the downtown one. But here's the good news. When you've got connections, you get bumped up to business class for that transatlantic travel. So I'm really pumped about that. How long is the flight? Uh, eight hours. Ah, and so you have some extra leg room as you make your way back to England. And we wish you could be here, but you'll be there. And uh, this was a question I had. Do you still call it Christmas in England? It's always been called Christmas, yes. And, uh, but yes. you say Father Christmas rather than Santa. Father Christmas, indeed, yes. So uh, you're going to spend Christmas with your family, uh, with your parents? My parents, my brother, his girlfriend, her parents, I guess. Yeah, I see some old buddies, old band buddies. You know what I'm saying. Uh, drinking some, some ale. Drinking some ale down the pub. Well, absolutely. We uh, wish you great travels and a great Christmas. But the thing is, before English Nick uh, went on his way to England, he recorded with your meddlesome buddies, right? Your buddies in meddlesome. Yeah, we did a great rocking version of the, uh, the Chuck Berry classic, Run, Run, Rudolph. All right, English Nick, have a wonderful holiday. And this is English Nick and the Meddlesome Boys with Run Run Rudolph. Welcome back to the Von Hessler Doctrine Christmas Special 2016, and wow is this special. And we'll, hopefully we'll do this every year now, because I think every show needs a, a somebody that does Twas the Night Before Christmas. Yes. All the specials that I grew up watching, somebody would sit and do Twas the Night Before Christmas. And we have Tim Andrews here, and so I thought it would be a good idea if Tim Andrews did Twas the Night Before Christmas in the voice of the author of Naked Lunch 
William S. Burroughs. <laughs> and let me just say, until we got Twas the Night Before Christmas, we did not realize how long it is. So, here we go. And if you want to put a little little accompaniment underneath, that would be great. Uh, Tim Andrews as William S. Burroughs, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in the hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all safe in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mom and her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to object below. When what to my wandering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came as he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, now Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dried leaves before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the courses they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas, too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. I laughed when I saw him, in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings when turned with a jerk. Alongside his nose, and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all, a good night.
Welcome back to the Von Hessler Doctrine Christmas Special 2016. We hope you're enjoying your Christmas, enjoying your family, and having a merry, merry holiday. Uh, all my vo- my volunteers, my doctrinaires are around me. We have special guest doctrinaires, and one of those special guests is from Turner Classic Movies, my buddy Scott McGee. Scott, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Eric. And I had you here for more than one reason. I just like having you around. You're a very festive kind of guy. And But uh, I want to talk about some of the best uh, Christmas movies of all time. Uh, I just watched It's a Wonderful Life again, and we'll get into that a little bit later because we have a very special version of It's a Wonderful Life coming up where Tim Andrews does every character and the entire movie in less than 10 minutes. So I'll tell you right off the top that It's a Wonderful Life is not only to me probably my favorite Christmas movie, but one of I'm beginning to wonder if it's the best movie ever made. I have to be honest with you. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Just watched it again last night, and... It's probably the 15th time I've seen it in my lifetime. And again, was just blown away. There's no, there's no slack in that movie. There's nothing done wrong in that movie. Well, let's go ahead and talk about it. I was okay. going to build up to that, but now that you mention it, yes, It's a Wonderful Life is not just one of the best Christmas movies. It's one of the best movies, period. Especially when you consider that really only maybe the last 30, 20 or 30 minutes of the film takes place at Christmas. That's right. And during most of that time, it's a very dark and scary journey, almost a film noir type it's, journey. I, I, it's, it's, I've often thought of it as the best episode of Twilight Zone ever. Right. And it came up from a, a very particular time uh, after World War II. It was the first film that Frank Capra, director Frank Capra and Jimmy Stewart, that, that they made after they left the service. Right. Uh, it was their third, third and final picture together, and it was a huge bomb. Yes, that's, uh, this is what blows me away, is that it actually did not do well when it came out. And why is there any understanding of why that is? Because it's such a joyful ending. I can't imagine anybody walking into a theater in any year, no matter what was going on, watching that movie and not walking out thinking, my, I'm just so happy to be alive. My feeling, my feeling is that that, that uh, uh, fantasy, that the, the what-if scenario, if George Bailey was never born, yeah. it goes into some very, very dark territory. And I think people after the end of the war, they just didn't want to visit that scenario of what could have what could be right. you know that alternate reality that they that they present with pottersville you know overtaking bedford falls just wasn't something that i think people were really interested in i just can't imagine visiting. that people just think it was cool you know what was wrong with people in 1940 whatever what was it 47 46? It was 46 1946 and it's a wonderful cast um gloria graham donna reed uh, i mean there's just Ward nothing Bond, there's Alfalfa, absolutely no- carl Sw- yeah carl switzer's in it well beyond that do you know what i want to talk more about this so uncle billy thomas this, mitchell thomas mitchell mm-hmm. here's a guy that no one seems to talk about and he is unbelievable in this period of time in films he's in uh he's in it's a wonderful life. I'm, I'm going over about 10 years here but you go back in 1939 he was in stagecoach and was great probably made that movie as great as it is he won the oscar for because uh uh What's his face? It was the uh, the gunslinger, the John, John Wayne. No, no, not John Wayne, but the 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 gentleman gunslinger, the John Carradine. Carradine, yeah. This guy is acting like he's in silent movies. He's doing everything he can to ruin this film. And Thomas Mitchell is unbelievable in that movie. He's unbelievable as Uncle Bill, 
as Uncle Billy in It's a Wonderful Life. In 1939, he's also in Gone with the Wind. He, I, why people don't talk about this guy, Thomas Mitchell, because if he's in a movie, I'm in. I'm watching. I, I've, I've never heard of it. If nobody's ever talked about it, if I turn on TCM or another station and I see an old movie and Thomas Mitchell is in it, he's captivating. Well, well in 39, not, not only was he in Stagecoach and Gone with the Wind, he was also in Angel, Only Angels Have Wings, Right. Uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Right. and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Five so, films. So you tell me, Mr. Movie Expert from Turner Classic Movies, have you guys ever done Thomas Mitchell Night? Or Sure. You, okay, yeah, you guys yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that you have. But you're around a lot of these uh, movie critics. Uh, why isn't this guy celebrated more? I, I, I mean, I understand he's not the lead. He's well, never the lead. He's always in an ensemble kind of package. But it just doesn't seem to me that he's really celebrated by the big film people. Well, I mean, he's a character actor. And, and I, think, I think character actors are... Are championed and are celebrated for, but uh, you know, just singling out Thomas Mitchell, I, I, I just don't think that's probably going to happen. Well, the guy obviously had a great manager or somebody because he only took the best scripts. I've never <laughs> seen him in a movie that was a dog. I'm sure he must have been in. He's probably one of those guys who's been in 130 films. Uh, I've seen five of them. He was in The Outlaw, the uh, uh, film with uh, Walter Houston and uh, Jane Russell. In, and is that uh, 1946? Good? No, it is terrible. Oh, okay, all right. So it is a, it a, is a famously <laughs> bad film. Well, uh, the Von Hessler Doctrine is Thomas Mitchell, underappreciated actor. <laughs> uh, okay, so back to Christmas movies. Yes. Uh, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, 1989. Great. Uh, love that film. We watch it every year. Uh, and I, I think there's a real warmth to that film that uh, I think makes it a Christmas favorite. Uh, Christmas in Connecticut. Now, hold on. Before we go to Christmas in Connecticut, let me just say, the scary thing is that uh, the crazy character in that movie, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, is, uh, is what crazy himself. Now is acts very much like that character. Uh, Randy Quaid. You're Randy Quaid. Quaid. Yes. You ever see this guy on YouTube? No. I Kevin, you ever see this guy's stuff on YouTube? No. You have to, you have to dial it up, my friend. <laughs> It's crazy on parade. I don't have a I'm too busy watching for the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for Randy Quaid. If you have, I mean, Randy Quaid has lost it. And uh, so it's kind of strange that uh, he plays such a lovable, crazy guy in that movie and sort of became that in real life. Uh, Christmas in Connecticut from 1945 stars what I think is the, the greatest Hollywood actress of all time, Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, you do? She plays a, uh, a Martha Stewart-type columnist who is a supposed expert at housekeeping and cooking and and just you know home decor but it's all turns out it's all a fraud yeah. she's just she's uh, and so she has to pretend for the sake of a returning serviceman that she is a a whiz in the kitchen and a whiz at the home so and, some guy it's like a thing we see on youtube now where somebody asked so, uh, a soldier asked a celebrity to take the to go to the ball with them or something so this guy's a returning hero he wants to meet this columnist and they have to set up this big thing because she doesn't know how to cook right. she doesn't know how to do anything right so it's dennis morgan sydney greenstreet uh sc sakal are uh, co-stars and it's a very warm film and it's it, it's quite lovely sydney greenstreet he's another one he needs to be celebrated more all right. So Did he eat Thomas We're going to put you down for character actors. Somebody yes. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that he was so big that they used to have to reinforce the furniture that he sat on in some of his movies. So this guy, Green Street, was well fed. Uh, I will also say Love Actually from 2003. Never saw it. Am I the only, Have you seen it, Tim? No. Jared? Uh, I've seen parts of it. Uh, Autumn? No, I've never seen it. Greg? I watched it two nights ago. Did you, did you enjoy it? 
Yeah, I, I do like that film. I watch it once a year. Oh, Sometimes so I watch just... it in the summer. Oh, I see. Well, so you do have a heart. You, you see, I knew it. <laughs> I do have a heart. There's a heart there. I cry at this film. Oh, really? Can yeah. we turn next time you watch it? Can you turn that camera back on again so I can watch you be emotional? <laughs> uh, yes, I would find like that to entertaining. See me crying. There's there's several things that make me cry, and that's one of the films. There's a lot of different storylines, and they kind of come together at the end. There's some very touching moments. Uh, okay, well, so you have a fan there. It's you know, Love Actually. Who's it's, in it? Everybody. Hugh Grant, Emma Thompson, Kira Knightley, uh, uh, Colin Firth, okay. uh, What's Liam, Neeson? Liam Neeson. It's an all-star affair. And, it, and it, I, th- I think it sort of began this, this uh, tradition of you know, all-star movies that are centered around holidays. And unfortunately, a lot of them since then are not very good. I think the last one was called Mother's Day with yeah. uh, Julia Roberts. This one, while it did start that, is actually quite good. It's written and directed by a British guy named uh, Richard Curtis, who also wrote films like Notting Hill, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and it, it it you know it tells you know all these sorts of different tales centered around Christmas, all about love, and somehow they all come together and, and it works. How do you feel about Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn? Never seen. <laughs> Surprisingly don't, don't entertaining. Have you ever seen it? I have seen it. That's the thing that was kind of surprisingly entertaining. Not eh, great. Not eh, great. It's all right. It's, uh, it's mediocre. Isn't that the one where uh, 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 Robert Duvall is the old man and they end up going to. Uh, well, I'm not going to get into it because I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I, I'm pretty sure it's that one. They end up going to. Uh, never mind. It could be that one or not. But Four Christmases, I, I don't know. Fitz Vaughn made me laugh. It's not a great movie. I'm not saying it's a great movie. I would not say that. <laughs> Eric, like, just wake up it was surgery. surprisingly entertaining. What? Did you just wake out of surgery when you saw it on TV? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find the remote. Yeah. It's like oh I couldn't God, get I up. I gotta watch it. <laughs> so for my fifth one, I, I kind of went back and forth. I mean, you know, I'm leaving a lot on the table, uh, such as Miracle on 34th Street, the original, of course. Yes. Uh, not the one with Gary Hartman? No. <laughs> Dan Hartman. And, and uncolorized. Dan Hartman. And uncolorized. Thank you, Autumn. Uh, the Ref, About a Boy, Gremlins. These are all great Christmas movies. Um, but I'm, I'm going to have to go with Die Hard from 1988. Is this your favorite? No, no. Oh, it's you're just, saying it's, it's the other one you're taking, yeah. right? My favorite is It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Before you get, we agree on that, before you get to Die Hard, was Elvis in Home Alone? Do you know about this conspiracy mm, theory? No. I just read this today for the first time. There's a conspiracy theory that Elvis Presley is in Home Alone. I think Home Alone, not Home Alone 2. There's a scene <laughs> where she is... Uh, what are you laughing at, Autumn? Does this involve that a dead boy and Ted theory? Dancing? Yeah. Oh, wait, that's three men and a baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's three men and a baby. <laughs> yeah. That turned out to be a cutout. I'm looking at side cutout. by side now. Uh, did you just pull this up, Greg? Yeah, I just pulled this so up. So the conspiracy this, theory is the scene... It's an extra, right? Yeah, it's an extra. It's, a, it's the scene where she's uh, at the airport, but behind her is a guy who kind of looks like Elvis Presley. And there's a whole conspiracy theory that uh, Elvis was still alive and uh, that he appears in Home Alone. Is it Home Alone or Home Alone 2? Right. It's Home Alone. It's the first one. She's at the ticket counter at the airport trying to get back to Chicago. That's something to look into it's, on Google. Look it up. It's very entertaining. <laughs> Go ahead with Die Hard. So Die Hard takes place at Christmas. It's all about a Christmas par- party at Nakatomi Plaza. I've never seen Die Hard. You've never that? seen Die Hard. I've never seen Die Hard. 
Eric. Oh. Well, no, this, this is something now. for me to do. I'm going well, to do it. I'm going to see it now. Okay, well, I just watched it again. I mean, this movie has been, around, been out since 1988, and it has aged quite well. But one, one last thing I'll say about Die Hard that's just really interesting. It's based on a novel by, called Nothing Lasts Forever from 1979. It's written by a guy named Roderick Thorpe. He also wrote a book called The Detective in the late 60s. That novel was uh, adapted into a film starring Frank Sinatra. Well, Nothing Lasts Forever was a sequel to the t- to the detective, and so he was offered the role in Die Hard first in the eighties. He turned it Frank down. Frank Sinatra, yes, he had he turned it down, of course, yeah. and then it went to uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and several other people before they uh, finally come out were to the coast, to a- have a few laughs. <laughs> you know, John Wayne turned down the Dirty Harry role. I heard. I and think that's true. Aren't yes. we all lucky for that? <laughs> and classics were born. Thank you, Scott McGee from Turner Classic Movies. And when we return, we're actually going to delve into the movies. Tim Andrews, It's a Wonderful Life, does every voice, the entire movie in under 10 minutes. When we get back. Welcome back to the Von Hessler Doctrine Christmas Special 2016, surrounded by the doctrinaires and more. We were just talking to Scott McGee from Turner Classic Movies about the greatest Christmas movies of all time, and I realize now that we didn't mention A Christmas Story, and we didn't mention the greatest A Christmas Carol, which is the one from the 50s. Who is it? Uh, what's his name? Alistair Sim? Autumn? Yeah, Alistair Sims. Yeah. That one is the best A Christmas Carol. If you're only going to watch one... That guy just nails it. He is the meanest of the mean when he's mean. And then when he changes, uh, he is just amazingly wonderful. So I'm stand on my head. I'm going to stand on my head. <laughs> a Christmas Carol from the 50s. Why did you put up a, why did you put a Christmas story in the best? Well, place? I was going to get to that, but somebody wanted to talk about Thomas Mitchell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you believe a Christmas story is one of the best. I love a Christmas story, of course. And now we have more specialists, more Christmas specialists, because after all, that's what we're here for. And we're, we're blessed that a lot of people can sing that are in the doctrinaires. We heard English Nick earlier, and now it's time for... Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Autumn Fisher.
for me, sir. Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. tonight, earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear! His life! Clarence, you do a good job with George Bailey, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Hee-haw! And here comes the scared baby, my kid brother, Harry Bailey. I'm not scared. George! George! I'm coming, Harry. Make a chain, gang. A chain! George saved his brother's life that day, but he broke through the ice and lost the hearing in his left ear. Hot dog! Mr. Gower, you don't know what you're doing. You put something bad in those capsules. Don't hurt my sore ear again. No, no, no. Oh, George. George. George! Harry! You're shaking the house down. Stop it! No gin tonight, son. Ah, oh, Pop, just a little. No, son. Not one drop. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes! The big Charleston contest. You uh, want to dance with me, Mary? I'm not very good at this. Neither am I. Okay, what can we lose? Buffalo gals can come out tonight and dance by the light of the moon. What is it you want, Mary? You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. What did you wish for, George? Not just one wish, a whole hatful. Mary, I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm going to see the world. Why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? Oh, you want me to kiss her, huh? My youth is wasted on the wrong people. George! George! Come on home quick! Your father's had a stroke! Peter Bailey was not a businessman. Who's that? Mr. Potter, the richest and meanest man in town. He was a man of high ideals, so-called, but ideals without common sense can ruin this town. Uh, hold on, Mr. Potter. You're right when you say my father was no businessman. Why he even started this cheap penny-annie building alone, I'll never know. People are human beings to him. But to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. Sentimental hogwash. Don't look now, but there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of a run. George, let's not stop. Let's go. 
I'll be back in a minute, Mary. I know. He never leaves Bedford Falls. A toast to Papa Dollar and to Mama Dollar. And if you want the old building and loan to stay in business, you better have a family real quick. Did you put the envelope in your pocket? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe? Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Do you realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. George, what's wrong? Wrong? Everything's wrong. You call this a happy family? Why do we have to have all these kids? Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You've played it over and over again. Now stop it! Stop it! I'm in trouble, Mr. Potter. I need help. I need to raise $8,000 immediately. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you but a warped, frustrated young man? Dear Father in Heaven, I'm not a praying man, but if you're up there and can hear me, show me the way. Help! Help! How'd you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. Why would you want to save me? I'm your guardian angel. Well, you look about like the kind of angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Your mouth is bleeding, George. Ah, that was an answer to a prayer. No, I'm the answer to your prayer. Oh, why don't you go haunt somebody else? I'm worth more dead than alive. Now look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it would have been better if I'd never been born at all. What did you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Wait a minute. That's an idea. Hey, where's my car? I beg your pardon? I'm the fellow that owns the car that ran into your tree. What tree? What do you mean, what tree? This tree. You had me worried. It's one of the oldest trees in Pottersville. Pottersville? Why, you mean Bedford Falls. I mean Pottersville. Don't you think I know where I live? What's the matter with you? Every time you hear a bell ring, it means that some angel's just got his wings. That does it. Out, you two pixies. Go through the door or out the window. Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You weren't here to build them. Your brother Harry broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry barely went to war. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. What are you, a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? It's because you weren't born. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. You see, George, you've really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it all away? Where's Mary? She's closing down the library! Mary, please, where are our kids? I don't know you let me go. <coughs> Clarence, help me, Clarence. Get me back. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George. Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. What in the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? Bert? Do you know me? Of course I know you. My mouth's bleeding, Bert. Merry Christmas. Hello, Bedford Falls. Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building and loan. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potter. And a Happy New Year to you. 
in jail. Mary did it, George. She told a few people you were in trouble, and they scattered all over town collecting money. I've been saving this money for a divorce if I ever get a husband. A toast to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. She says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. boy, Clarence. How fantastic was that? Tim Andrews, every voice, and it's a wonderful life. The Thank whole you. movie in under 10 minutes. You, sir, are a genius. We have a couple of minutes left here oh. in this segment, and uh, I want to talk about something that bothers me at Christmas time. Uh, welcome to everyone, and I hope you're enjoying your Christmas. But let's talk about some of the worst Christmas songs of all time. Now, I know what my least favorite is by far. But before I get there, Kevin Kinney, you were saying uh, Barbara Streisand? Uh, Barbara Streisand, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell. How's that jingle go? Bell. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse. Ah, Jingle Bell, Jingle, Jingle, Jingle. Da, da, da. She's just showing off, yeah. right? Good. She's just showing off. Yeah. yeah. My mother-in-law is 83 years old and uh, English. And a few years back, we were driving to some Christmas party. And we're listening to one of those stations that has Christmas music on it all the time. And uh, a Mariah Carey song comes on or something. And it's like a traditional song. And it starts out traditional. And then about a minute in, it gets all funky. And my, my, my mother-in-law says, uh, oh, why do they always have to muck it up? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I agree with traditional Christmas songs. I like it just the way that it is. Uh, do you have any Scott McGee before I get to mine? Because I think you know what mine is. Woof, woof, woof. I think that would be mine. Uh, that is close to mine. That was mine until, for, first of all, anytime I hear the dogs doing jingle bells, if you've got that on your radio station, you just lost me. No, oh, what's worse, the chipmunks or the dogs? Chipmunks. Uh, chipmunks. Yeah, yeah, chipmunks. Chipmunks are pretty bad. No, 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 chipmunks were at least a thing. You mean they the were a Christmas, thing. Christmas That's like saying time I is like here? the monkeys. The monkeys yeah, were a thing. Oh, you could dislike them. But the, the chipmunks were a thing. The dogs, there's no reason. That's all novelty. And dogs don't, well, chipmunks don't sing either. But I don't want to run out of time. <laughs> but the, those what? chipmunks sang. You get my point? Like, they were a thing. They could, sang. My guess is you didn't like the chipmunks in anything they did. That's true. What about okay. Christmas shoes? What? Christmas shoes? What about Christmas shoes? You didn't know that one. I don't know that one. And I want to have time. I only have a minute. The worst Christmas song of all time, by far, Paul McCartney's Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. Hear, hear. The worst. <laughs> and it starts out, I don't know if you remember how it starts out, but it starts out like a Halloween film, like a slasher movie, like, <laughs> dan, 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 like someone's going to get killed. And you know what gets killed? My Christmas soul gets killed. <laughs> It is the worst song, and what makes it even worse is that you know that the only reason he put out a Christmas song 
was because John Lennon had put out one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time with Happy Christmas. And then this guy's got to come up with The moon is out The time is right We're simply What does that mean? What does it mean? We're simply having a wonderful Christmas time Was he asked the question? Did someone open the door and catch him in the middle of the act And say, what are you doing? What simply are you doing? having a wonderful Christmas time, aren't I? How, what were you thinking when you wrote that song, Sir Paul? I was thinking I can't wait for this coke to wear off <laughs> Simply having a wonderful Christmas time, the Von Hessler doctrine on that one is the worst Christmas song of all time. We're going to close out this whole shebang when we return. Welcome back to the Von Hessler Doctrine Christmas Special 2016, Twinkling of the Keys by Chris Chandler. Thank you, sir. This is our last segment. Before my producer gets on my uh, nerves by telling me to do it, let me just tell you that the Von Hessler Doctrine, starting on January 9th, weekdays, Monday through Friday from 11 to noon, we're going to the big stage. So make sure that you follow us along there. I can't get out of this without uh, mentioning that we were just saying the worst Christmas songs of all time uh, without mentioning that stupid Band-Aid song. Uh, Do they know it's Christmas? First of all, it's a self-righteous thing by a bunch of self-righteous people who didn't do anything for anyone. We can get into that later. (laughs) Secondly, has anybody noticed it's a ripoff of the Mary Tyler Moore theme? No. Do they know it's Christmas time at oh all? Oh, my God. You're, We're going to make it after all. It absolutely yeah, is. And can I, I always in? thought of her throwing that Tam up in the air at the end. And, and can I jump in yes. here? Uh, Ethiopia, there's an argument that it's the first nation in the world to accept Christianity. So do they know it's Christmas in Ethiopia? Probably. They probably do. <laughs> yeah. They probably do. And you don't want to know what went on behind the scenes. That whole thing was uh, – I, I don't want to get into the, 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 the politics of the drought from – the 1980s, but I don't understand how they were not sued. Everyone's sued these days, Kevin, for ripping off song titles, and they were not sued for ripping off the Mary Tyler Moore theme. Well, I and think it's outrageous. Water flowing <laughs> is a steady stream of tears. Oh, you know, and also that song, no, the, the, the horrible part of that song is it's supposed to be a charity song, and they're like, Tonight, thank God, it's them instead of you. It's not a nice thing. And there won't be snow in Africa. Well, yes, there will on Kilimanjaro. There is snow. Everything about that is wrong. But is that a nice thing to say, oh, thank God tonight it's them instead of you? What a horrible Christmas thought. How much time we have here? Let me close this up. Hey, thank you to the Doctrinaires. That's Autumn and Greg and Tim and Jared. I feel like I'm on Romper Room now. I see all of you through my mirror. And our holiday doctrinaires from Turner Classic Movies, Scott McGee. Tinkling at the Ivories. Tinkle at the Ivories there. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Chris Chandler and Head Muckety Muck from the rock and roll band Driving and Crying. Where will you be appearing on December 30th? The Center Stage Theater. And that is the night before... 
the night before. The night before, the night before New Year's Eve. I want to drag Greg when they come, when they come down. Oh, I want Greg can sing with us. We can watch <laughs> watch the rock and roll together. Hey, from our family at the Von Hessler Doctrine, Jared Yamamoto, thank you very much. Great producer. From our family here to your family, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll talk to you in 2017.